back once again to a, another episode of Theology Doesn't Suck, where hopefully theology doesn't suck. Uh, with you, as always, is one of your co-hosts, the less facial-haired individual, Josh Patterson. And with me today is the more facial-haired individual, Marty Frederick. What's going on, Marty? What's going on? And, you know, I do need to clear up last week, Josh. You said that our listeners probably were, that you were their favorite host and I was not their favorite host, and I was a little harsh coming back and saying that it wasn't true. Um, so just wanted to kind of let, let you know, I fully support you, I'm on your side, and uh, you're my favorite Theology Doesn't Suck co-host. Oh, thanks, Marty. It's very kind. I, it's, it's funny, actually, uh, you'll be, you should be receiving here in the mail shortly, uh, I sent it a couple days ago, a, a card apologizing for making fun of you and saying that you are the least favorite co-host. And so hopefully you receive that card and you accept it with gratitude, love, and grace. Well, I don't know if I'm going to open it because I don't know what else you may be sending in there. Sometimes uh, Josh has been known to send me inappropriate things in the mail. What? So I'm not going to, I don't know if I'm going to open it or not. Um, All right. Give me one example that is actually true. I can think of a thing that I did that might've been mildly inappropriate, but I did it to your office. I didn't (laughs) send you anything in the mail. (laughs) But Josh, if I told them what it was, then I don't know that you would be seen as this theological uh, person of such prowess if I told people what you did. Oh, dude, um, people already just think here, I'm a stupid heretic anyway. They don't let, take me seriously, so it's whatever. Well, here's here's what here's I'll, I'll just use a few words to describe what was sent in this card. So on the inside of the card, it's there was just a giant red heart that Josh had colored in. And then I'm going to use three words to describe what this picture was that Josh sent me. Are you ready, Josh? Oh, goodness gracious. All right. So the three words, Josh, hammock, and banana. And that's where I'm going to (laughs) stop. All right. We'll leave it at that, and you guys can keep that up (laughs) to your imagination. But if you want want an actual true story... (laughs) There was one point where Marty and I were still working together... And uh, if you haven't picked up on it by now, Marty and I do Borat voices a lot and think that's hilarious, even though both of our wives scold us for it and roll their eyes and (laughs) say that we're idiots. Uh, So one day I printed out at least 10 tiny pictures of Borat, all the same picture, and it was him doing thumbs up and it said very nice. And I, when Marty was... It said my wife. Oh, it said my wife. wife. Okay, it said my wife. And uh, (laughs) what I did was I placed them in secretive places all over Marty's office. Some of them more obvious than not. And then and when I when and when I left said church, I left all of them there. I hope you did for real. I did. I did. (laughs) That's fantastic. That's a great thing. And I hope it brought joy and laughter to the the hearts of that (laughs) church. (laughs) Uh, the church that we don't name so we don't talk poorly about anybody. Anyway, moving on. Uh, I, so I'm really bad at this whole transition thing, Marty, but I'm going to give it a shot. Speaking of people that we don't want to speak poorly of, we have a very cool guest today who I only have positive things to say about. He was actually my youth pastor growing up, and his name is Justin Hannigan, and he's on the line with us live now. How's it going, Justin? What's up? Me and Marty. I mean, Josh and Marty. <laughs> hey, right on, man. What's up, man? Thanks for having me on the show, man. I'm excited to share with you guys. Yeah, thanks for taking some time out of your day uh, to talk with us, especially, too, because you're actually quite literally in the middle of something right now. Is that true? That's right, man. You know what? Um, I work with a ministry called Ends of the Earth Cycling that we started uh, back in 2012 on accident. I'll tell a little bit more about that later. But we are right in the middle of our 30th cycling tour uh, in the great state of Georgia right now. Actually, our 30th tour took us into the great state of Georgia. And I'm coming to you from day two of the 40th annual bicycle ride across Georgia. Sweet. Mm. That's pretty cool, man. Congratulations. 
Yeah. Well, thank you. And speaking of awkward transitions or good transitions and all that with your guys Borat comments mm. that you started with, um, <laughs> people often ask me, they're like, okay, so you're in missions, you know, you're into theology and all, but like, what, what people group do you work with? And I say, well, we work with mammals. People are like, oh, yeah, mammals, you work with mammals. I said, I said, yeah, that stands for middle-aged men in Lycra. <laughs> <laughs> So let nice. it I, I am not currently wearing spandex, but I was most of the day today. Right on. Right on. I love it. I love Just it. Just make sure you don't send me any cards, Justin. Yeah. All right? <laughs> it's, it's already in the mail, Marty. It's going to be hand delivered by somebody on a bicycle, Marty. So you have to. Old school. Uh, <laughs> sweet. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah. So Justin, like I said, Justin was my youth pastor growing up. And uh, before we jump in, and actually that's what we wanted to talk uh, with you today, Justin, was about NCR cycling. But before we get to that, uh, can you just give us like some like background information about you? Like who are you? What do you do? Kind of like what has your faith journey been? Those kind of things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Um, my faith journey began in the Catholic Church, and I was raised that way. Um, I didn't have a great relationship with my dad. And so he didn't really have to go to church. My mom, on the other hand, uh, dragged myself, my brother and my sister to church, like almost every Sunday. And I just hated it. I mean, I just was bored out of my mind. And, um, I have often said that th those Sundays when I would go to that, uh, particular parish in Pasadena, Maryland was the only place in the world that stories didn't make sense to me. No nothing I heard was spoken to me in a language that I could comprehend. And so um, when I was about 16 years old, I was doing what 16-year-olds do, uh, and uh, I got arrested for trying to steal car stereos late one night, and I had to get uh, my mom to get me out of jail. And that was probably one of the lowest points of my life. And her solution to all of my teenage problems was that I was going to go to adult confirmation classes hmm. and I was gonna be, I was going to become a, a Roman Catholic that was what she wanted for me she she actually wanted me to be a priest that was her plan uh, right my life. so so I went to the classes and they totally sucked and um, <laughs> I, I mean I legit tried like I'm not kidding like I was like okay God like I always I mean I always knew God was real like there was no doubt in my mind but I just I would I just honestly had a couple questions and so I would raise my hand and I'll never forget the priest looking at me and saying, young man, do not ask questions. Put wow. your hand in. <laughs> wow. So when you're 17, 16, 17 years old, what do you do? You don't you stop showing up. You go shoot pool instead and you lie about where you're going. And um, it was right around that same time, 17 years old, senior in high school, that a buddy came and um, knocked on my door one day after school. And he and he shared the gospel with me. And, um, I just, I appreciate him to this day. His name is Ben. And I, I kind of pushed him away the first time and pushed him away the second time. But by the third time that he came uh, with that persistent knocking, I was ready to receive what he had to share. And, um, he shared the love of Christ with me. He, he took me in to a, a time of discipleship for six months. He walked with me and, and I mean, he just very lovingly, uh, led me to Christ at a, at a point in my life where um, where I was extremely confused, and mm. so I came I came into the uh, kingdom of God at age seventeen in nineteen ninety nine, and I've been serving the Lord ever since for um, the past twenty years. Most of that time has been in youth ministry. Uh, more recently, full time missions and cross cultural missions, and um, I also serve part-time as an associate pastor. But anyways, it's just been a great journey, and I've had a chance to walk with uh, hundreds, if not, um, you know, I don't know, dozens, if not hundreds of, of really cool students like Mr. Josh Patterson. <laughs> I bet you at the time, though, you were not thinking like, wow, Josh is a really cool person. You're like, man, Josh is so annoying. This kid that shows up at youth group and never shuts up. What is he doing? <laughs> This, this is what people need to know about high school Josh. <laughs> oh, goodness. Can I, can I put it out there? Go for it, man. Okay, okay. Here's, here's what people need to know. Marty, are you ready for this? I cannot wait. 
high school jock came into the youth group with a vision to have a drama ministry, to do skits, to, to real, I mean, and they were super cool. Like every skit was Josh would play Jesus and he would bring all his lost friends and they would play uh, demons and then Josh would beat them up and he would win. <laughs> And Jesus would win and the demons would flee. And, and every skit had like a skillet song or a disciple song, like a soundtrack. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, it was like the most effective way of getting kids in the door that I've ever seen. Like, I, I mean, I just I can't even count the number of kids who came through our doors uh, because Josh said, let me kick your butt. <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, Justin, I was going to ask you, you know, before Josh asks you the obligatory question we have for every guest on the podcast, I was ah, going to yes. ask you if you would share with us some like funny Josh stories from when you were his youth pastor. So I was a youth pastor. And if any of the kids in my youth group asked me to share funny stories about them later on, I would have like dozens about <laughs> each one of them that I could just pull up off like just hey. I've got 12, so just sit down and relax and listen. So I want to hear some Josh stories, and I think our listeners do too. Um, I got to tell you, man, uh, Josh was really a – I wish I had more funny stories because I, I really <laughs> respected him. He, he actually preached a lot. He was one of the first students that we could honestly trust to preach, and he had a heart for preaching, and so that was – that was one of the things that stands out in my memory was his desire to preach, his desire to use sports, um, you know, just to reach friends on a soccer team. And, and that was the thing, man. Like, I just I got nothing respect, nothing but respect, nothing but love for Josh. I wish I wish I had some more funny stories. But to be <laughs> honest, and like most of it is just like, dang, like this guy is not coming into the youth group saying, hey, I want this. I want that. I want to be served. But like, hey. I want to partner with you to reach more kids. Like I want, and, and just as a youth pastor, like that's just crazy. Like when you have a leader come in and just humbly say like, use me, like I want to serve, you know, to me, like, I mean, I'm probably disappointing you right now with no funny stories, but that's just <laughs> the honest truth. like, that's like every story that comes to my mind is like ways that Josh served ways that he got involved. That's great. And, uh, and I just appreciate you brother so much. Yeah, dude, thank you. I had a kid like that in my youth group. His name was Tom, and I know he listens every once in a while. So, Tom, what Justin, how Justin just described Josh, that's how I would describe you. So just know that. (laughs) Right on. And thank you, Justin, for the kind words. I appreciate it. The uh, the check is in the mail. You received the five hundred dollars. I promised you here shortly. Uh, (laughs) No, I think it's it's funny that you say that because, like, you know, anytime I I think about and look back, um, you know, on my journey or or whatever. Um, the things that always come to mind for me is just, uh, you know, basically that like when people ask me how I ended up in, in youth ministry or, or why I did student ministry, I always think back to, to people like you, Justin, um, who just, I guess kind of saw something in myself that I didn't see. And then, uh, really just gave me the opportunity, gave me a, a platform, so to speak, like gave me the opportunity to preach, you know, probably ridiculous sermons at youth group <laughs> or whatever. So, uh, definitely, uh, Justin has been a huge, huge, huge impact in my life and continues to be a huge impact in my life, uh, to this day. So thank you, Justin, for your kind words and for everything that you have done, uh, for myself and for my family and for, you know, the hundreds of kids in Tawny town that you welcomed into the church when nobody else would welcome them, you know, Justin's is is way cooler than anybody else I know. <laughs> and I think what we did together, um, and this is going back to like the mid 2000s, but we took the church to skate parks and we got outside of the walls and we went to paintball fields and laser tag arenas and concerts. And we just um, did life together with kids in the community and ended up. Um, seeing some of those kids come to Christ and some of them get baptized and I, and even some of them serving on the mission field today. And, um, you know, I mean, we might spend eight, 10 hours at a skate park and we would, we would have like 20 kids there from the community and I would just let them have a ball. You know, they're, they're not normally able to get to Baltimore city or up to Lancaster or wherever we were. And I would say, guys, listen, um, at lunchtime, we're going to throw down a Bible study and sometimes I would lead it or sometimes Christian Cole or somebody else would lead it. 
But this is what I found over all those years of youth ministry was those kids at the skate park were more respectful of the word of God and more interested in the word of God than even the kids who came to our youth group on a regular basis. Even a lot of the kids who came to Sunday school, I didn't see the same zeal in them and the same honor for the word in them that I did with the kids in the skate park. And to me, there was something about that that kept me going and saying, look, I, I want to take something I'm passionate about, like skateboarding, and, and use it for the gospel. Nice. Dude, that's so awesome, man. It's it's crazy, too, because it seems like like those kind of you know thought processes and ideas, like getting outside the walls of the church and things like that, like those are just now, well, I guess within the past couple years, you know, becoming relevant or like, oh, here's this big, crazy idea. But like Justin was doing that stuff before it was cool, you know, so... I don't know if that's a hipster thing to say, but <laughs> it seems like 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 Justin was on the forefront of a lot of those things. So Justin's made a lot of really big impacts uh, on, on tons of uh, people, and he continues to do so today, which is awesome. And that's why we wanted to, to talk with you today, Justin. But uh, we do have there's an there's an obligate ob- obligatory. How do you say it, Marty? Is obligatory right? Obligatory yes. question. Cool. Uh, I was never good at English. I don't speak English good. Um, <laughs> it's an obligatory question, Justin, that we ask all of our guests and you have to give an answer, even if you feel like you don't have one. And it's a super important question. So like, get ready. And the question is, what is your favorite hockey team? I'm going to say the Washington Capitals. Boom. All right, Marty. That's Suck up. <laughs> Based solely. On the fact that I was born and raised in Maryland, and they were the closest team in proximity to us, and Josh loves them, and he paid me five bucks to say that. Sweet, dude. <laughs> Justin's like racking up the bill here, Marty. <laughs> we're gonna, we really do need to start a Patreon feed so we can support these guests that come on our show. I know. You make all these promises without me knowing about it, and then you're like, dude, I need you to send a check to this address, and I need you to do it today. And I was like, <laughs> man, come on. <laughs> so our bill for Justin is up to five hundred and five dollars. All right. Anyway, <laughs> sweet. Well, that's I've 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 not tuned in very much. I have to be honest. So I don't know how much you guys talk about um, Noel, the the amazing Noel Patterson on this show. But yeah, when my I wife. yeah, when I went, I to Josh, <laughs> that's right. Josh and Noel's wedding, and I had the opportunity to uh, some do some marriage counseling with them, pre marriage counseling, and officiate that. Uh, you and Brandon busting out the Capitals jerseys. Oh, absolutely. Um, that, that, that was a highlight, man. That was a moment for me. So who is Marty? <laughs> what, what should I have said instead? <laughs> uh, well, anything except the Capitals would have would have sufficed for <laughs> Get me. Get out of here, Marty. Um, just to mess with Josh. <laughs> Especially if you would have said something like the Florida Panthers or something that like he wouldn't have been able to argue with, but it w- he also would have been bummed about. Um, but I would have been most happy if you would have said the Chicago Blackhawks. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. All right. I see, I see what you guys are putting down right now. Yeah. That's, that's Marty. Marty's up in or the suburbs of, of Chicago, right? Marty in Illinois. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where actually, Justin, did you ever get to uh, meet Marty in person when you were in Florida for my ordination? Um, I don't, I don't know that I did. Um, but this was, this is the story. I mean, it's, I think the listeners need to hear this because any time that I would talk with Josh and that would probably be like once a month, he would always bring up this guy, Marty, (laughs) um, Marty and I, and my friend Marty. And, and I just couldn't hear it without wanting to correct him because there's a, a hip hop group called social club misfits. And it's these two guys, Fern and Marty. And in every song, Fern, Fernie, he says, me and Marty, me and Marty, me and Marty. I mean, you, you hear it like a thousand <laughs> times in their music. And so I just was begging Josh to stop saying Marty and I or my friend Marty and just to just say me and Marty. Like, I just need that to really start to take shape for you guys. And I, just, <laughs> and I, I feel like that is what the podcast needs is me and Marty. Hashtag me and Marty. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to start using that hashtag me and Marty. <laughs> And then social club's going to hit us up and be like, bro, why are you trying to like upstage us? 
Shout out to Social Club Misfits, brand new uh, EP out there called Kalo K. Y'all got to get into that for sure. Right on. We'll have to we'll have to tag them in our show notes too. <laughs> tag Social Club. I'm making a note of that. Social Club Misfits. They're pretty cool, man. I, I bump them in the youth room fairly regularly. People like them. They're pretty oh, good. They're- yes. Sweet. Awesome. All right, man. Well, I guess uh, now would be as uh, good a time as any to, to kind of jump in with, um, you know, our conversation today, uh, which specifically you mentioned it earlier, uh, but Ends of the Earth Cycling is a ministry uh, that you founded. And so uh, can you just maybe explain to us uh, just right off the bat, what is Ends of the Earth Cycling and what do you guys do? Yes, Ends of the Earth Cycling exists to promote and resource global youth ministries. We are a ministry of New International. We're based out of Fort Myers, Florida, and we are hosting long-distance Christ-centered cycling tours. And on every one of those tours, we are shining a spotlight on a particular youth cause or a particular nation, and we are raising funds and prayer and awareness for global youth. And um, I know, Josh, your heartbeat is is definitely for youth ministry. Mine is, too. And so we are taking something we love, something we're passionate about, which is cycling, uh, specifically road cycling. And we are combining that uh, with what we talked about earlier, getting outside of the walls of the church, um, being Jesus's witnesses right in our Jerusalem, right where we live, our Judea, um, other cities in Florida. And then our Samaria is uh, the United States. And then the funds that we raise go to the ends of the earth. Mm, that's really cool. And so the so the cycling ministry is connected with. Um, is it just called New Missions International now? Is that what you said? Uh, New International, based okay. out of Florida. That's okay. our, our mission sending agency. That's our parent organization. Okay, New International. And so when you say when you say that um, the funding goes to the ends of uh, the earth, correct me if I'm wrong, but basically uh, each tour raises money for specific mission partners within different countries that have been established through uh, the mission agency. Is that correct? That, that is correct. Yep. And it's, it's not always um, a global youth ministry that's affiliated with New International, but many times it is. But what makes us unique is we don't just send money places like there has to be a relationship there. Mm. So myself, my wife, one of our team members actually has to know the people that we're riding for. We actually have to go over there and see the work that they're doing and um, find out whether they're reputable or not. Find out how they're planning on using the funds. That way we can report back to our donors and let them know that the money actually made it where it was supposed to go. Very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And too, Justin, does that kind of play into this idea? I, I hear a lot when you know people talk about missions, about making uh, perhaps maybe a really deep footprint rather than an extremely wide footprint. And so by having those relationships, does that kind of fall into that frame of thinking, like making a deep, a deep footprint uh, in the areas that you're connected with? Yes, I would say you're accurate there. We are really big fans of uh, When Helping Hurts and the idea of with not for um, asset-based approach. And so when we go into a place like Chiang Mai, Thailand, for instance, and we do a bike ride for a, a ministry over there called Prosperous Youth Foundation, we'll maybe raise 30 grand or 40 grand on one bike ride. And um, when we release the funds to them, we challenge them to also put up funds themselves for whatever project they want to do. And I just so appreciate the partners that we work with because when they get these funds, they don't just spend them right away. They don't just go on a shopping spree or blow the funds. Like sometimes they take a year, three years, even four years to spend the money very wisely to, you know, make a long-term impact. Like you said, that deep footprint. And, um, that's what I so appreciate about the relationship piece with the, the beneficiaries that we ride for. Wow. That's awesome. That's really great. Um, Marty, do you have any, uh, comments or thoughts there or are you ready to, yeah, I just, I just I really love the idea of kind of being immersed there. So uh, one thing that Josh may have maybe hasn't mentioned, Justin, to you before is that in my new church, my my actual official title is worship and missions pastor. Um, 
And so I have just a huge heart for missions and for serving the world and getting out in the world. And one of the things that I've heard from countless missionaries uh, in every single aspect, every mission trip I've ever been on, every conversation with a missionary I've ever, I've, I've, I've ever had has been they don't want they don't want people to simply send them money but not form a relationship and not show up and get to know people. Uh, but what they what they want is they want people to come and see what they're doing, to come and be a part, to, to build relationships at a ground level. Um, and, you know, w- one of the missionaries used it as, you know, use this metaphor like you can teach someone to fish um, and then leave. But then that person knows to fish forever or you can send them food and you can pay for them to have food, but they'll never learn to fish and better themselves. But they'll just also never have a relationship with someone, which is the even bigger portion of that, um, which they have if you go and see them. So I love that you guys are like on the ground forming and building relationships instead of just raising funds and sending it off to someone you don't know. I love that. That's fantastic. Yes. Thank you, Marty. I I appreciate that encouragement. Sweet. So um, earlier here, Justin, you mentioned that, uh, you know, kind of in passing that ends of the earth cycling uh, got started by accident. Can you can you elaborate on that a little bit? I think that might be an interesting story. Yeah. So after our time in Tawnytown with uh, the Baptist Church there and Josh was was uh, one of our student leaders and we had a sense that God was calling us to nations because as a family, we would do like one mission trip a summer. One summer we'd go to Haiti for a week or then we would go to Guatemala the next summer or whatever. And I just every time like I went into times of worship and just deep reflection, I got the sense that I was supposed to live missionally and not just do mission trips. Mm. But um, my heartbeat was to, to do youth ministry globally. And so the plan that my wife and I formulated, we had three daughters at the time was we are going to take high school and college students on short term projects. We're going to take them to Africa, to Asia, we're going to get involved and we're going to serve. But every place we go, we are going to stand on rooftops and we're going to lift our hands to heaven and we're going to ask God if we should move there. And we expected that God was going to show us specifically what nation we were supposed to move to and incarnate and do global youth ministry. And his answer was very different than what we were asking. (laughs) He called us to adopt two kids and to start a cycling ministry. And I was, Josh can attest to this, 260 pounds without an athletic bone in my body. <laughs> I had no interest in cycling whatsoever. None. But God had another plan. And um, I'm so thankful for my, my boss, my upline. Uh, his name is Aaron. He actually lives up in Chicago, Marty, so I could try to connect you guys. Yeah. Um, he came to me one day. And I think Josh has probably heard this story, but for the listeners, um, he asked me to plan a bicycle ride for youth pastors. And I asked him why. And he said, well, we have a lot of youth pastors in our city and they never do anything together. They, they don't even, you know, have fellowship or, you know, collaborate and stuff. And I'm like, okay, forget this. Like we got to do something. And so he says, why don't you create a bike ride for youth pastors and ride to Key West? (laughs) I was brand new to Florida. Like I had like no clue where Key West even was. And so I said, well, how far away is that? And he said, 300 miles. And I just laughed <laughs> in his face. I said, I said, nobody's going to want to ride a bike 300 miles. you got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. And um, he pressed and pressed and pressed. And he said, Justin, he says, we got these partners over in Bulgaria. They're doing youth ministry in a city called Velengrad. There's 4,000 high school students in that city that are largely unreached with the gospel and there's only two youth pastors in the, in the whole city. That's it. They are taking kids out into the mountains. They are doing adventure ministry. And every single trip, they have to turn kids away because they don't have enough mountain bikes, enough sleeping bags, enough tents. He goes, why don't you do something about that? And I was like, Ooh, man, that's a challenge right there. Like, thank you for you know speaking into my life, giving me that vision. And so in February of 2012, the Key West bike ride was born. We took 12 cyclists, 10 guys, two girls. We rode 300 miles on Walmart bikes, mountain bikes. We had no clue what we were doing, but we made it in five <laughs> days from Fort Myers to Key West. And that particular ride, we raised $7,000 
by people sponsoring us while we rode our bikes 300 miles. People gave per mile. And, uh, and it, by the time we made it to the southernmost point of the United States, we were able to send uh, j- just about seven grand to the youth of Bulgaria. Wow. Yeah, that's phenomenal. And that, that reminds me too, Justin, just the story that you just shared. And actually, I'm going to, with your permission, I'm going to tag this in our show notes so people can go watch it. You put out a video a while ago um, that was called something along the lines of I Will Never. Um, yeah. And that's a video, dude, that that I mean, that that video has really stuck with me. I always think about that, um, you know, when I'm challenged with something or when I feel God is calling me to something that is different than uh, what my plans were. But basically in that video, you just you lay out these these things all within your life that you said, I will never do this. And then God specifically called you to do that. Those things <laughs> like, yeah, like you were talking about the. uh the, uh, um, you know, being, uh, 260 pounds or whatever, and, and not having an athletic bone in your body. And I remember one time I was messing with you, we did a water day or something along those lines, like a big slip and slide at the church. And you wore like a wetsuit and I was messing with you. I was trying to tell you, you look like a UFC fighter and you were not having it. So, so the, these cycling tours, they, I mean, I, I got to tell you guys, like, it's not really like my vision. Like I, it's not that I did it. I mean, really God did it. And I have an amazing team that has come around me, uh, since 2012, we've hosted 30 tours. Wow. We've had over 500 people join our tours, get on bicycles with us. Um, we have pedaled over 130,000 collective miles Um, we've, we've hosted tours in Spain. We've hosted tours in Mexico, Belize, 25 different U S states we've ridden in. And we have raised to date over $635,000 for global youth ministries. And it, and it all started with a dream and a vision back in, uh, February, 2012. (laughs) That's crazy, man. Congratulations. It's so cool too. Cause I've got to kind of like, you know, I feel special or privileged because I've kind of got to watch this whole ends of the earth cycling thing come into existence and watch God grow that ministry. And it's been, it's been really cool to watch and, and see the, you know, everything that God's doing, uh, with and through you guys. I I appreciate it so much, man. And, you know, as far as, um, Christ center cycling tours, there's just not a lot of those out there. There's not a lot of people in that space. And so, those that are doing it, um, up in Minneapolis, there's an organization, there's one in Phoenix, like we are for them. We're not in competition with anybody. We try to resource and equip other people that want to do what we're doing. Um, and our, our hashtag is just very simple. It's pray, pedal, repeat. And that's what we do all day long. We get on bicycles and we pray and we ride a lot of miles, bro. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. The, the first, the first time I got on a bike, I told my wife, I said, now this was in the fall of 2011. I was, I had a mountain bike and I said, I'm going to ride as far as I can ride until I feel like I'm going to die. And then I'm going to call <laughs> you and I need you to pick me up wherever I am. And so I just want to ask both of you to take a guess. How far, how far did I make it in that first ride fall 2011? Marty, you go first. I'm, I'm going to guess. And the, you know, granted this is based mostly off of how kind and amazing Josh has made you out to be. Um, yeah, just from all the things he said about you, um, I'm so, so take, if, if I'm wrong, it's Josh's fault. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say 88 miles. Oh, man. And jo- Josh, what do you think? Ah, oh, man, it's hard. Cause I know you guys have a thing called like a century badge or something, which is a hundred miles in one day. And that's like, that's a cool thing that people can get. Um, sure. Yes, but we're talking about the very yeah the first time you ever you gave it. Marty said eighty eight. I want to, I'm gonna go lower than Marty. Not not because I'm talking crap wow. about Justin, but because I think I want to get closer to the actual number. So what if I say, uh, oh my gosh, I don't even know what's reasonable. All the cycling people are gonna laugh at me, and laugh more so at Marty. What about uh, what about fifty miles? that's generous man you guys are very generous um <laughs> you, you forgot you forgot when i said how overweight i was mma fighter 
I went, I, I made it 12, 12 miles, bro. That's Whoa. how far I go. 12 miles. And That's I thought bad. I to I, die. I, I, <laughs> I love it. I See, mean, it probably, it probably took like better part of two hours too. Like I was slow. And okay. so I called my wife and I said, look, here's my location. Come pick me up. But then the next time that I rode, I went 13 miles. And the next time that I rode, I went 14 miles. Yeah. And that's how you do it, man. You just got to stay consistent, persistent, like keep building it up. Last July, I joined a ride in Iowa from West Des Moines to Lake Okoboji, and we rode 204 miles in one day. Wow. Mm. That's crazy. 204 miles, bro. A lot of people don't want to spend that much time in the car. (laughs) No, seriously. um, That's that's fantastic. And I'm not bragging. Like, I'm just saying, like, to God be the glory because he really transformed me. You know what I'm saying? And um, the verse that came to me through my – you know how people talk about, like, they have a life verse or, like, this is my life verse or whatever? Uh, Sure. Sure. I mean, maybe some of the listeners – we're like, yeah, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, a lot of people pick that one. Or, well, let's, let's hope not. <laughs> uh, Philippians 4, 13, which is definitely not written in a context of sports and Tim sport Tebow, feet. Man, yeah. <laughs> this is it. Um, but for me, First um, Timothy 4, 7b through 8 really came and rose to the top, uh, to the top during that occasion. And, and it just sim- it sim- simply says this, exercise yourself toward godliness for bodily exercise is profitable for a little but godliness is profitable for this life and the life to come Mm -hmm. and a lot of times when i share that verse with people they say wait a minute there's exercise is mentioned in the bible like we're supposed to exercise and i'm like man that was not part of the theology i grew up on and i didn't (laughs) hear that in the southern baptist church and i didn't hear that but when i finally grasped it the verse is saying And I'd love to discuss any thoughts you guys have on the verse as well. But like exercise, like whether it's running or walking or doing push-ups or CrossFit or whatever, cycling, it's good for you, right? But spiritual exercise cannot be neglected. Like that is actually better than physical exercise. But I believe it's a both and. I believe we are supposed to recognize that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I believe, you know, Josh knows I have five kids and I don't want to be like, you know, the 45 year old, that's like, I can't get off the couch and play with my kids. You know what I mean? Like, so I just, I just want to kind of bring that to the conversation and get your guys thoughts on this idea that, um, you know, we we should physically exercise, but we should, we should also exercise spiritually. Yeah. Do you want to take a shot at that first Marty? If not, then, uh, I can go ahead and respond. No, I, I love that idea, and I love the thought process behind that. I mean, for one, I love the idea of it attached to this missions organization you guys are doing because I think it, it, it not only spurs people on, but it also shows them that there's more to, you know, like, so even though you are doing this thing that is very physical, it's, a, it's this physical exercise, uh, it, it takes it from beyond that and says even this but then we also should do this too. Um, and I, I, I think what winds up happening, it, this isn't true for everybody that I've ever met that's been interested in physical fitness, but uh, it's true for some um, where the fitness thing almost becomes like their new God. It almost becomes this thing that's worshipped. And then like, you know, they're at the gym for hours and hours and hours and they're too tired to do anything else. Um, or they wake up super early in the morning. And I've actually talked to people about this before where, you know, they experienced spiritual dryness in their life because they would wake up early in the morning. And the first thing they did, they would do is go to the gym instead of the first thing that they would do is sit down with scripture or sit down and pray or have a devotional time of some type. Uh, and so they began to, you know, their body was in great shape, but their mind was not, their soul was not. Um, and so that began, began, began to become a problem, um, and and I think that so I I think I love that I love the way that the verse teases out both of those things. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, right on, Marty. And then uh, for me too, Justin, what I what I really uh, resonated with as well when when you were speaking there is you said that it has to be a both and you don't think it's one or the other, and I think that's super important uh, because I have I have this you know understanding, uh, you know within my theology 
of uh, I take the incarnation of of Jesus uh, pretty seriously, which I I think you know most <laughs> hopefully most good Christians do as well. But I think that says something about our physical bodies because I you know I have this understanding that that the kingdom of God is something that is. Uh, is an already not yet. It's something that is that is present but not fully realized. And that uh, part of our salvation is that we're called back into this right relationship with God, not so that we can float off in space someday when we die, but so that we can partner with Him to bring restoration and reconciliation to His good creation. Because it's for God so loved the world, not you know, not God hates the world, and and creation is is good, and people are very good, and so. The bodies that God has given us, uh, it's a sacred thing. And so exercise is almost like a sacred um, experience. Taking care of our bodies matter, um, especially once you get this idea of, of the incarnation that Christ became human in Jesus, right? In the, the flesh of, of Jesus, God with skin on, God became a human, um, you know, and, and the, the, the hope of the Bible is that, you know, uh, the you know New Jerusalem will will come down uh, you know on Earth. We see heaven and earth being reunited, and uh, this idea of physical bodily resurrection. And so our bodies are are a sacred thing, and uh, I think the incarnation of Jesus speaks to that. And so I love, absolutely love, that you quite literally are are pairing both uh, physical you know exercise through cycling uh, with the spiritual of, you know, pray, pedal, repeat, you know, bringing those things together. And then also too, Justin, uh, something that I don't think we've mentioned yet is that during the tour, you guys just don't cycle, but every night, um, you guys have like devotions and, and prayer time and things like that as well. Well, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like this tour that we're on right now, there's a thousand cyclists on the course every day in North Georgia and our small group, we're just 10 people. But we are hosting praise and worship every night, and the organizers of the event are excited about it. Like, they want us here. We've seen more cyclists show up every night to come worship with us that are not part of our group. And so we're building that momentum, and we're building relationships with people out on the course. We're serving people. Um, we're looking for opportunities to, you know, pick people up that are struggling or um, give, them a, give them a help uh, changing their flat tire, whatever they need. And so for us, it's really an opportunity to serve. And in doing so, I think we get a chance to speak into the lives of a lot of people. And, um, you know, I, I appreciated both of your responses and something that Marty said really struck a chord with me um, because cycling can very quickly become an idol. Mm. And a lot of mm. cyclists worship their bicycles and their bodies. And like Sunday morning church for them is a 60 mile group ride. And for us, there's not a lot of people in the cycling subculture and in this space that are excited about Jesus, but we are, and we can ride at their level. Uh, we can speak their language. We, yeah. we know what their needs are. And um, I think it's just super special to, to be called to this interesting subculture that we didn't necessarily pursue. Yeah. Yeah, no, but that's... I just I think that's so fantastic, too, because I think that, you know, every morning on my way to church when I'm getting up at, you know, 430 in the morning to get myself ready to be at church on time. And, you know, I get out in my car at six o'clock and I drive to to my church. Uh, I pass by cyclists every morning. And, uh, you know, part of me wants to say, well, you know, I wonder if half those guys like they're getting the ride in now so that they can go to church a little <laughs> bit later on. Um, and I'm sure that that's probably true about some of them. But also, you know, I also just know for a fact that there are a bunch of people like that. That is church for them. You know, they get up that at that time of the day and they will be gone on the bike until one or two in the morning or two in the afternoon. Uh, but you know, it is, and it's part, there's great camaraderie around that. There's great relational aspects around it. You know, I, sometimes I'll go to lunch after church and I'll see a bunch of cyclists eating lunch somewhere together. And so like they ride somewhere, they have lunch, they talk, they go home and it's like a big event. It, this is not just something that they're doing on their own as an individual. This, there's relational aspects of it. And I just wish that the relationship would be transcended into church for some of those as well. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the question I asked you guys about uh, 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8, 
And both of your responses just really minister to me. And I think that they lend themselves toward a testimony that I want to share. Um, it's just one of my favorite stories. And I think the listeners will really appreciate hearing it. But um, I was invited to speak at a church right outside of Gainesville, Florida. And it was um, in, in a, a small, tiny little town called Orange Heights. And so I got up and I gave a presentation about ends of the earth cycling. And I talked about who we are and what we do. And I invited people in the congregation, just ordinary average people, to consider getting on a bicycle with me and riding from Fort Myers to Key West, 300 miles. And um, after the service was over, this old country farm boy with his overalls and he was missing a bunch of teeth, <laughs> he comes waddling up to the front and he looks at me. He goes, I'm a dude out there, bike ride. And <laughs> I took one look at this guy and I thought, yeah, right. You got to be kidding me. Like, and, and I had, I had so much doubt in my heart and in my mind that this guy would ever pursue anything with us. Right. And so six months later, I see Gary and he signs up for the ride and I literally did not recognize him. And I, and I, and I said, who are you? And he says, I'm Gary. I met you at church orange Heights, you know? And I, I said, what happened to you? And he goes, well, right after you came to our church, I bought a bike and I started training and I've lost 55 pounds and I've gotten off of six prescription medications just through training for this ride. Wow. And I like, I started to cry. Like I was like, <laughs> I need to apologize to this guy for doubting him and, and really repent for doubting God. Like I, I doubted that God could use this guy in this way. And then we rode to Key West together 300 miles. And, yeah. and I was, I was just, beyond i mean it was like an ephesians 320 moment like god can do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or imagine like i didn't even ask him for gary (laughs) and he he gave me this incredible inspirational story of life transformation and that's the thing like what i enjoy about this ministry is we see lives transformed we see people um come back to the lord we see people push past physical thresholds and boundaries and things that they never thought possible like josh said to ride a hundred miles in one day. You gotta be kidding me, you know? And I'll say, well, what was the furthest you ever rode before this tour? Well, one time I rode 30 miles in one day and I'm like, are, are you serious right now? Like you rode a hundred miles in one day on a bicycle. And um, it's my joy, man, just to get back and sit back and say, wow, like we can impact nations with the funds and the prayers, but we can also impact people locally um, just through something as simple as, as doing a, a cycling tour together. <laughs> yeah. No, that's wonderful, Justin. That's uh, to, I really appreciate you share that story. It's funny. You kind of read my mind because I was just about to ask you if you had any really cool share uh, stories that you wanted to share with us. Um, so that's cool. I guess that's a God thing, <laughs> you know, set that up. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. That's a, that's a great story. Do you have, uh, I mean, probably we have, we have time. If you, do you have one more story, maybe, uh, something else that really stands out to you that, um, you think would be beneficial for, for people to hear, even, uh, just to bring glory to God for the, the amazing things that he's doing through ends of the earth cycling. Yeah, absolutely, man. We've got people as young as age 14 that come on our tours and they ride all the way up to age 76. And this might be something that, that you guys both might want to speak into, but the idea that in the Western church, in the American church, a lot of times we can separate people and we could say, okay, the youth are going to be over here and they're going to do this. The children are going to do their own service and the adults are over here. But what happens on an ends of the earth cycling tour is this intergenerational ministry. We literally become a family and you see in the book of Titus, the older men are admonished to pour into the younger men, the older women to pour into the younger women. But a lot of times we don't even create space in the Western church for that to happen. <laughs> but on these cycling tours, I actually get to see old people mentor young people. I get to see relationships formed that last for three, four, five years. And we get to see, I mean, the, the most incre- incredible like cross generational ministry. And to me, that's kind of like a bigger topic, but I just wanted to kind of toss that back your guys way and say like, what are your thoughts on that? Because to me, it's, it's, it's something that I don't know that the Western church really understands. Like I've traveled all over the world 
And I think we're one of the few countries in the world that says, like, let's separate our little kids away from our teens, away from our grownups. And, oh, let's let's have something for the senior adults over here and the men over here and the women. I'm not against those ministries. OK, but I, I'd love to hear your guys thoughts on this idea that um, maybe as the body of Christ, we need all ages and we need all <laughs> ethnicities and all backgrounds (laughs) yeah i think that's i think you're exactly right justin i think that's a a a wonderful and brilliant point it's funny you use the word body of christ because i was going to say it sounds like what you're describing to me that happens on the cycling tours is the body of christ like that's the kingdom of god that's what the kingdom of god looks like old you know young uh, you know, various ethnicities, different levels of affluence, different levels of education, you know, all coming together to be used by God. That's the kingdom of God. That's the body of Christ. And so uh, I can speak to it just real quickly, and then I'll, I'll throw things over to you, Marty. Um, one thing that I, I get passionate about and I get uh, frustrated with when people say, um, and it's normally well-intentioned people say this, they say, we need to pour into our youth or we need to pour into our children because they are the church of tomorrow. And what I like to push back on that is say, well, actually, no, they're very much just as, you know, they're just as much a part of the church right now as you are. The, the kingdom of God is, doesn't have age limits. Like God can and will and does work through, you know, the youngest people in our congregations and, and our congregations need those people, students and children are such a necessary part of the kingdom of God. And I think just like you're saying, Justin, we often overlook that in the Western church. Um, and so I, that's, that's what I would like to add to that is just, you know, the youth and the children are an integral part of the kingdom of God uh, today. We don't need to train them so they can take over tomorrow. We need to train them because they're, you know, in the battlefield or whatever language you want to put to it, whatever metaphor you want to use, they're, the hands and feet of Christ right here and right now, not just once they hit a certain age. Amen. Yeah. And I mean, just, just to continue on with Josh, with what Josh was saying, you know, I, you know, so I see, I've seen, I've been, I've now worked in three, this is my third full-time ministry position that I've been in. And I've been in, you know, a position where I was a volunteer. And uh, this is the first church that I've seen where students are actually, and like are kind of lauded with the adults as far, as far as things like when I was in Florida as a worship pastor, um, I did not have, I had, I brought one student onto the worship team uh, and people were like floored that there was a student <laughs> that was sort of like a part of the group. Um, and like I had students in the production booth, but that was different. You know, they were in the back. They weren't necessarily doing their own thing. Um, and then when I was in Washington as a youth pastor, you know, every once in a while we would do a, like a youth service where like the youth group would take over the service and we'd do the music. And then one of the students would teach or I would teach, uh, or like one year we did some music, uh, and then we did like a sort of like, it wasn't really a skit. It was more, it was a more, uh, in-depth drama, uh, that we kind of all worked together to do. Uh, but those were very reserved times. You know, the students are going to do this and then but next week we're going to be back to our regularly scheduled program. Um, and, uh, you know, here where I'm at now, when I showed up to this church um, for my interview, uh, we did, I did the worship service. Uh, every vocalist besides myself was a middle school or high school student, um, which I, I loved. And then afterwards, involved in the interview for the worship pastor was one of the was was an actual student was there and Hmm. he wasn't just there to, you know, listen and kind of observe and learn from it. No, he like someone actually said, hey, do you have any thought on this? And he asked a question and he had thoughts that he was interested in knowing about. And he was then appreciated and lauded for his wisdom and his ability to ask a question. And I loved that. Um, And so, like hearing you, Justin, as you're talking about this stuff, it just, it gives me a lot of joy to hear that because, you know, I think of one of the things that was important to me as a youth pastor was to begin forming mentorship relationships where I would have adults who would volunteer to mentor students one-on-one. And, um, I felt like there was so much wisdom that could be, that a student and an adult could gain from each other. 
Um, and that was actually, I was actually told that, no, we're not quite ready for that yet. The church doesn't want to do that. Hmm. Um, and so what I love about that is, is that, that, that's that, that Paul and Timothy relationship is so vital to the growth of the church. And, and, and I feel like a lot of the issues we have, like that I see as a worship pastor, uh, arguments over contemporary music or traditional music, arguments over drums in church or no drums in church or hymns or no, not even hymns. We're only going to sing psalms. All of those things could be solved with people talking and listening to each other, and instead people just want to debate. So I love hearing that, like you know, as like people go out on these cycling tours, not only are they riding and they're getting themselves physically fit, as we talked about in the verse earlier, but they're also growing in their faith because they're being challenged by people who are in different places of life than them. And that includes adults being challenged by students and by younger people who see things differently. And that's like a really grassroots raw place for people to have good conversation that really challenges. I, I, I love, I love that. I think it's great. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so glad that you mentioned Paul and Timothy because I was going to just say like, We've got this verse that really encourages everything we do from 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. But then just four verses later in, in 1 Timothy 4, 4, 12, a verse that I know Josh is super familiar with, like Paul says to Timothy, don't let anybody look down on you because of your youth. Yeah. Yeah. But set the example for the believers in faith and love and spirit and purity. And if you, if you never allow young people the opportunity to be around adult believers and have that opportunity to speak back into their lives as well, then how are they going to accomplish first Timothy four twelve? Mm-hmm. And I just, so, uh, I mean, and, and I appreciate what Josh said. I've said it for years as well. Like youth are not just the future of the church. They're the church today. Um, but I, I also spent like 10 years of my life saying youth ministry is the only thing that matters. It's the most <laughs> important. Ministry. And I, and I no longer believe that. Like, I think I was in error. I think it is very important. But I also believe that intergenerational ministry is important as well. And I also believe that, you know, we are called to missions. We are called to nations. And one of the things that um, I, I just heard a, court, uh, a quote this past week from a dear brother by the name of Dr. John Stumbo. And Dr. Stumbo, he's the, the president of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And he said this. He said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the word or does not show up. He says, at no point does Jesus say that you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or the ends of the earth. It just doesn't show up there. And I so appreciated his heartbeat behind that, that we are to be his witnesses wherever we are. That's our Jerusalem and nearby in our Judea. Oh, by the way, you have enemies. That's the Samarians, right? Like be a witness to your enemies and to the, to, and to the nations, to the, the places where the church has not yet gone. And so I just, man, I just resonate so much with what you guys are saying. And I'm super encouraged by the conversation, by your interest in ends of the earth cycling. And just thank you for giving me the opportunity to just testify on your show to the goodness of God and what he has done. Dude, absolutely. Justin, thank you so much for, uh, for taking this time, especially uh, like we mentioned earlier, you're out on a, you know, supporting people in a ride right now. That's fantastic. That's wonderful. Um, and we just real quick though, before we let you go, where can people find you? Where, where can, I mean, you guys have a website, social media, where, where can people find NZ the Earth Cycling? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hit us up on Instagram. It's at ENDS Cycling, E-N-D-S Cycling. Our hashtag is pray, pedal, repeat. All of our tours are listed at endcycling.com, endscycling.com. And I don't know if you guys have any um, people that still use Facebook that, that are listening in right now, but we do have a Facebook page as well. Sweet. Hey, I use Facebook. Me too. It's not, Josh tells me it's for old people, but I still use I it. I still use it too. So. <laughs> I, still, I still use it. I love it. Yeah, right on. Sweet. Well, uh, thank you again, Justin. We'll be sure to uh, include those things in the um, – in our show notes so listeners you can go there you can find the website you know if you on the website justin like you have like tours that are coming up people can find out how to get involved if they want to participate if they want to donate if they want to ride all that kind of stuff is on the website right yeah absolutely man like we we would love to have people come as a cyclist obviously but if you're listening to this and you're like i'm not a cyclist and i don't want to be a cyclist you can still come as support staff you can come serve on one of our tours serve our cyclists, operating your gifting, lead worship, cook meals. Like there's so many things that we need on every tour 
And so maybe one of the listeners just wants to do missions in their own backyard. It's an opportunity to do that. Sweet. Awesome. Well, that's wonderful, Justin. Um, thank you again so much uh, for your time. And, and um, you know, thank you for uh, what you're doing to make an impact on uh, youth and, you know, in youth ministry globally. And uh, I know I can speak for Marty as well when I say that, you know, we'll both be continue to pray for you and praying for Energy of the Earth Cycling and all the cycling, yeah. you know, all the cyclers and the support staff and the lives that you guys are touching. Uh, that's just a wonderful thing. And we would encourage our listeners uh, to be sure to do the same. Thank you guys so much. You're most welcome. And so uh, real quick, too, just before you guys uh, go, if you've made it this far, thank you so much uh, for continuing to support us here at Theology Doesn't Suck. Uh, if you have any questions, complaints, concerns, comments, if you have funny things you want to say about Marty, like make fun of him, uh, you can contact us on our contact page on our website, which is theologydoesntsuck.com. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at theologydoesntsuck, and same goes with Twitter. So with that in mind, Marty, any wrapping up thoughts? Don't make fun of me, please. No, make fun of him. It's worth it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, peace out, guys. Take care. And uh, don't forget, go Caps. Come on, Doc.